1: and welcome to the raptors weekly podcast for the week of july 23rd i'm your host william lou we are officially in the era of Kawhi leonard um obviously it's been a eventful week and i've said on this podcast that Kawhi's is not coming here and you know don't trust me i have no sources all right Kawhi is definitely coming here he is here in toronto we saw pictures of everything and uh here to you know gush about Kawhi and um you know, really defend Masai as walls fellow Masai fanboy harsh.
0: Yo, what's going on man?
1: Yo, before we get into all the rest of that stuff, let's uh let's talk about the hate for Masai. Let's just, let's ahead. just talk about like the inconsistent hate about Masai, right? Cuz it's like yo, if you don't do anything, it's like man, he's just a trust fund baby and and you know, he's just living off Brian Colangelo's roster even though he's maximized it to a point where Brian Colangelo could have never done. Then he makes a move, and it's all oh, he's disloyal. He's crazy for making this trade. The Raptors can't keep him. The Raptors, you know, Kawhi won't even show up. He's gonna be so upset. He doesn't want to play in Canada. Then Kawhi shows up at you know in ACC, and um, you know, and then people are responding in the comments like, "Oh yeah, well, he's leaving next year." And it's just like, yo, know, at some point, man, you, you just gotta just gotta knees that. You just gotta be just gotta be quiet. That's it. That's it. That's it. that's. that's, that's it. I don't want to hear anything else about Masai at this point. We could talk about like the you know the lack of communication and whether or not he lied to Demar, but the other stuff. Come on, man. He just delivered yeah. Kawhi Leonard.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like the only real criticism is the whole is the whole lying thing, which again I think that's kind of open to interpretation a little bit because I I find it hard to believe that he told um, Demar that he absolutely was not going to get traded. Like I just don't see that. I just don't see that happening like he's been like we know that there's there's been multiple reports that Demar has been on the the trading block uh dating back to last summer so it, it, the idea that he went to Demar and told him that no there's i promise that you're going to stick around or whatever it just seems so totally out of his character everything we've heard is that you know everybody no one on this roster is untouchable and all of a sudden he's going to promise that to Demar. like i just don't i don't i don't see that happening but Demar could have interpreted something to to be that he wasn't going to get traded. But I don't think uh, Messiah explicitly lied to him. So, you know, I I, it's weird, man. It's weird. Like it's uh, honestly, I just kind of feel bad that that's how it's ending with another another one of our franchise. We've never really had like an amicable breakup with with somebody who is a legitimate star player for this franchise. And it sucks that we're kind of going down this road again. Except this time it's with the organization and the player and not so much the fans and the player, which is like complete 180 from the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Dan Hackett on Twitter um, for creating this thread where he's basically explaining that it's kind of like the Raptors recouping uh, some karma from the Vince Carter trade. Because essentially this is like the opposite where you have this, um, you know, star that isn't really happy in situation. It's you know starts playing up injuries and doesn't really play well and you know he's just not really you know playing much and uh, you know he ends up getting traded um, for sort of bits and pieces and I, I want to call Demar bits and pieces but like a relative to a player of Kawhi's Leonard this is not full value by any means, um, and you know this is 15 years later the Raptors get. Kawhi in that situation, we're we're basically getting Vince, and hopefully it works out better than Vince worked out for the Nets. But um, yeah, we have Kawhi, man. We we have Kawhi Leonard. Like, it, and it's such a crazy thing because you would think that if the Raptors were going to be able to come away with this and execute it, then you know you need to get more than just um, portal and a protected first round pick. It has to be an unprotected pick. It has to be some maybe some pick swaps. Um, You got to toss in OG. You got to toss in Pascal, like DeLon. Like, you know, like you got to put something else in the deal other than Jacoperto who, like, you know, let's keep it real. Like, Jacoperto is nice. And, you know, he had a lot of great moments last season. And I was really looking forward to seeing more from him. But, you know, the Raptors didn't put their best assets in this deal. And so, like, from that perspective, that's your job as a GM. A, to to get the best player in the deal for sure. But then also to not pay as much. I mean, like, Masai just took the Spurs for five extra million dollars for no reason. Like, he didn't have to do that. His Raptors weren't right. begging for money. But, like, you know, I don't know how he did it, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's crazy that, like, there's even been backlash at all. Because aside from the whole um, lying aspect of it, there's really nothing you can say that, that can – that can take away from this deal being like a home run for the Raptors, right? Like, even the worst case of the deal is not that bad. So, if you kind of put emotions aside, and I know that you know emotions are part of it, and, and emotions are why we kind of get invested in the game in the first place, but yo, emotions away- is why
1: your tweets are gonna get me clapped at the next time I go to Summer League. That's, apparently, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh,
0: watch your, watch yourself at Crown League, man. There's, it's, not it's not even me.
1: It's not even me. I've been nothing but nice to Demar. Demar is a first class individual. <laughs> Uh, I Bro,
0: I haven't even been that mean to Damar. Have you seen what our girl Boo You Horror has been doing?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Nah, she's going
0: all the way in. She's going all the way in. I'm I'm, I'm just chilling for the most part. But, like...
1: I mean, you said he had a ward I, on his I face. I feel
0: like people don't... Like, seeing the reaction, like, I can't believe there's been polarizing reaction to this. Like, do people understand how much better Kawhi is than Damar?
1: I don't think so. I think that's part of the disconnect, right? Like, how many times... Do you see Kawhi? And are you like, look, come on, come on. Like, this is the part of the issue where if the Raptors fan base expands, naturally, the, what expands is like newer fans who are not as familiar with the NBA are more invested with the Raptors. And so they know how good DeMar is, at least, they, you know, what they've seen in regular season. Um, they don't really see the rest of the league. And, you know, maybe you don't know about Kawhi because he's not as flashy. He's not, you know, this and that, but like, If you know who Kawhi is and you know what he's capable of and you just, if you, even if you just saw the 2017 playoffs where he averaged like 28 points a game on like 67% true shooting, you, you gotta know, like obviously the Raptors had to make this deal. Like it's kind of a no brainer trade given the cost.
0: Of course. And that, and I think that's, that's what my mindset has been, but, and that's why like when the, cause I don't know what situation you were in when you read the news. Like I woke up in the morning and I checked my phone and I had all these tweet notifications from Woj and Shams and I'm like, dude, holy shit. We just got Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. And then I check my Twitter timeline and I see a lot of the like, people are devastated. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I get it. It's obviously there's, a, there's an aspect of sadness to it. That you're losing a franchise the player, your icon, the guy who stuck around for nine years or whatever so I can get that but then the anger the whole idea that this is th- yeah. that they'd rather not do this trade it's like wh- that's crazy to me man yeah of course look I-,
1: I could see more again I would understand a lot of anger if the Raptors gave up their entire future for this they didn't they gave up oh, man all right look the, the- anything said about Demar in this episode is-, is said with a lot of love but sometimes the honesty is a little bit painful but like the Raptors have been trying to make it work the last five years without a true star, right? Like Kyle Lowry was not that true star, right? He gave a lot in aggregate, but in terms of what you need, those difficult things from a true star, he's just too inconsistent of a score to make it happen. Damar was supposed to be that guy, and sometimes Damar was. In the playoffs, he never was. Just never. Like, and that's why they made this move, because there is a ceiling, right? When they locked into this three-year window last year, everything broke right. Right? Like, I mean, you had Boston was obviously banged up. Cleveland was as shitty as possible around LeBron. The rest of the conference was not good, right? Like, Philly, you know, they didn't even get on the Raptors side of the bracket. Like, the Raptors had everything break right. They got the number one seed, completely healthy. You know, Fred had a, you know had that shoulder thing from that heat game in game 82, which was kind of dumb, but he had recovered in time for the Cavs series and, you know, was pretty big in that uh, game six against uh, Washington. And so – You had all the factors break right. And the Raptors still got disappointed in the same way, still hit the same ceiling. And at that point, what can you do, right? It wasn't going to get any better than that. It wasn't. It wasn't with that team. And so if you know your ceiling is capped with that, then you try to make a move to try to either expand that ceiling or try to move on from this core that you know is for sure not going to cut it at the highest level. And so they traded two years of the Mar basically for one year of Kawhi. And – that's that brings you closer to the championship, and that that that's what the question is, right? It's cold. It's a cold-blooded move for sure, but like, you know, that's yeah. I don't I don't see why you need to explain it more than that. Like Kawhi is a phenomenal playoff performer, literally a Finals MVP against LeBron, right? Um, last time we saw him, he was up twenty-one against the uh, the Warriors, right? Had twenty-four points in twenty-four minutes um, on the road against a team that was undefeated at that point and that a team that went 16 and 1 throughout the playoffs and cruised their way to a title. And that's the guy we're getting as compared to DeMar which like again, all love to DeMar. This man 5 years, all right, 5 years in the playoffs, 50 games, 41% shooting from the field, 23% shooting from 3 and a minus every single one of those years. That it is what it is, right? Like at at some point like yes, he's a phenomenal person, he's a phenomenal Ambassador for the franchise, I loved the way he treated everybody. Um, you know, just I, I could not be more proud of Demar, and I, I'm gonna miss cheering for him as the person. But like, this is a this is this is not a sitcom. This is not about you know which co- characters are you most comfortable with and you don't like when they get written off. This is competitive sports. You're here to win, and a hundred times out of a hundred, Kawhi is a better chance of getting you farther and winning more than Demar does.
0: And I think and I think what you're talking about with the whole sitcom thing, I kind of agree with that in the sense that it's 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 okay, it's OK for fans to feel that way, right? It's OK for fans to feel some sort of emotional attachment and of kind of fall in love with the stories and things like that. I totally get that. But for Masai, like we have to be able to understand that his mandate is to win, right? Yeah. If he's not if he's not putting the best product on the floor, he's doing a disservice to 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 everybody that he has to answer to. Right. Like. He he kind of alluded to that, too, in in, in the presser when he talked about, you know, people want to come at me about loyalty and stuff. But, you know, I can get defensive and and I can say that I was, you know, I I gave them a chance. I gave them five years to figure this shit out. Right. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. He's like, at some point, I have to do something different. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. Right. So the fact that people can kind of are having trouble separating that is kind of crazy to me, man. Like for from his perspective, it's a no brainer. I think we can be sad about it, but we can't be mad at him for making the right move.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Right. And and that's the thing. Where when people are are going at like Messiah, I, I just don't quite understand it. And I kind of again, you could be all kinds of different fans if you wanna watch this basically if you wanna watch this team as if it was a season long episode of open gym. Right. Then, OK, of course, like you're not going to want to trade a, a guy who's as likable as DeMar for a guy who is as anti-personal, basically, as as Kawhi. But I mean, otherwise, if, if you're just if you're trying to watch the Raptors win at the highest level, like, you know, I would much rather watch than Kawhi in that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Masai, man, I think he was a little bit surprised just because, you know that he tried to be nice in that press conference he opened with an apology to demar i don't think he needed to do that he tried to clarify the situation obviously demar didn't take that well based on you know the way he responded on instagram um but you know he i I think you saw right he got he got grilled over and over and over again about how he hurt demar's feelings and stuff like that and at some point you know it's like you said man he started getting defensive and he's like look you know, I gave this team a chance. And they gave, they gave this team a chance, right? Like, they really did. Five years is a long time. And if you think that as a player, um, it, it, I think it comes down to sort of what you view the Raptors as, right? And I think there's the outside perception of Toronto, which is like, this franchise is a joke. You've made the playoff, like, five years in a row. You should be happy with that. And I think DeMar kind of felt comfortable with that, too, because he was like, as long as I'm, you know, you know, show loyal to the franchise – Rep it as hard as I do, um, and go out there and, and you know be an all star level player. That's enough, and they're never going to move me, they're never going to have ambitions beyond that, but they do, right? Like, I don't see why the Raptors need to limit themselves, right? And buy into the small market mentality that Toronto's a small market. It's not, right? It's one of the biggest markets in the NBA, it's one of the best cities in the NBA. It's expensive as hell, but it's one of the best cities in the world, even, right? Um, and you know, I don't see why the Raptors needed to limit themselves. And I think Maasai, you know, this, goes, this speaks to a piece that Sirot wrote for SB Nation, which is great. You guys should all check it out. But, like, Maasai is an outsider to the city, and he sees the city for, like, all that it is, and he appreciates it for all that it is. And he believes that, you know, him being top of this organization and also the city can, like, actually hold on to Kawhi and that this city deserves to win at the next level. Not just that it's a small city that people should just be happy to you know, win 50 games and keep it moving and you know, be happy with the DeRozan and keep it moving. Those things can bring you happiness. It cannot ultimately fulfill you if you want to get a championship. And so he made that move, right? And I think part of why DeMar's hurt is because he's not going to get this opportunity again. When he goes to San Antonio, he's not going to be as big of a star as he is in Toronto. That's just fact.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like he's never going to be embraced the way that he was. And, and the thing is, like, I think people can take a lot of solace in the fact that, you know, he's going to come back. No, there's nothing – there's no damage done to the relationship between the fans and him. No, so when he's going to he, be beloved comes, forever. Right. So when he comes back, there's going to be, like, a standing ovation, mm-hmm. like the ty- like a type that we've never seen before. Definitely. Like, it's it's actually going to be incredible. Like, so that stuff is, is – is has been maintained like there's no damage been done it never the relationship never got to a point where it got soured or you know kind of wore out he wore out his welcome none of that stuff happened mm-hmm. like he's going out at, at high as a hero and he's going sorry he's going out as a hero right and he's going out like at the peak of his powers and he's going to a good organization where he can kind of leave the bitterness behind hopefully and you know hopefully like down the line 10 years on the line like everything is fine and he's a Toronto icon forever, which is probably what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's right. With, so I don't know if we'll build a statue for him because that'd be kind of weird. Uh, uh, I mean, whatever celebrate players uh, for sure. But like, I, I don't know why we're building a statue, but look, when the Raptors eventually have like a, you know, a level of excellence, Demar's going to be on there. And I think Demar right. should be the first name on there, even before Vince. <laughs> right. Because Vince was, a bigger presence, but I think Demar was—I don't know, man. Demar was just—he he showed so much love to the franchise at a time when they really needed it, and he got them to a point where they felt like they could get better than him. And it's—you know—it's kind of sad from that perspective, but I, I don't really see it as a snake thing. Let's talk about like the Kawhi aspect. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> the Raptors have Kawhi Leonard. Um, 27 years old in his prime. I think the bottom
0: line is they have an incredible player, right? They got an incredible MVP caliber player, which they've never, they've literally never had one in their franchise history.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, never. And and that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think Raptors fans can understand quite fully, like, what it's like to root for one of these players and sort of what these kind of players open in terms of possibilities, both on the court and off the court. Because, like, dude, this guy is, I mean,. Like, top five, last time he played in the game, top three. The only reason he kind of moved back to top five is he hasn't really played much in the last year. Um, But assuming he's fully healthy, which it seems like he is, he, I think he came in for his physical on Friday. I think that's why he showed up. Um, you know, and assuming the Raptors can get him motivated, which are all questions. Like, he is an elite player at everything. It's crazy, right? Like, as much as, like, we love Demar for his mid-range stuff, Kawhi's better at the mid-range stuff. That's insane. Yeah. He's better than Demar at mid-range. And he's like miles better than on, on defense. So I think the Raptors. Um, how good do you think the Raptors can be as a team in terms of it, it's just best case scenario? Kawhi is healthy and he's motivated.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that there. It, like, I, I think there might be some growing pains just in terms of you know you're replacing a guy who had you know close to thirty percent usage when he when he was on the court. And that, that brings a little bit of, you know, chemistry issues. Like, you're going to have to fit him into your system. He has to pick up some nuances of what we do. That's fine. All that uh, Say that takes, like, 30, 40 games to, to get right, right? And we kind of pick up more L's than we need to around that. But then once, once this thing gets going, like, the Raptors have the best player in the East. Like, if, if yep. Kawhi is, like, 90% of what he used to be in 2016-17, the Raptors have the best player in the East. And there's no reason to believe that they can't go toe-to-toe with the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, there's absolutely no reason to not to think that. Like, you can say what you want about the Sixers. The Sixers went five, five games against the Celtics without Kyrie and Hayward. Like, whatever, man. Like, I'm not—the Sixers are good. They're not They're not Yo, at the upper echelon of the league yet.
1: Ben Simmons played a whole entire game, touched the ball nonstop on every single possession, and scored one entire point. Right. Not even Kyle Lowry did that. Not even Kyle Lowry, <laughs> guarded by Matthew Vadova scored only one point. Right. This man scored one whole entire point during a game. It's, I just think people got to know, right? Like, yeah, I, look, the Sixers, I mean, like, I think the Raptors were probably ahead of the Sixers regardless. Um, they're yeah, a little I think little so bit, too, man. Like, the matches were going to be a little bit tougher. But now that we have Kawhi and, like, more wing depth, which we're not even talking that much about Danny Green, but, you know, that's not a bad addition at all, right? Like a fantastic defender, um, and a little bit streaky of a shooter, but still a very capable one and respected one. Um, you know, Bruh, like, Danny Green almost won Finals MVP himself. Yeah, I know. He was insane. He he's such a good transition defender. We, literally, like we replaced Demar, who like took an intentional foul anytime it was a, <laughs> if it was like a oh. one-on-five fast break. Demar was <laughs> taking an intentional foul, then walking the other way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and putting his hand up, like, oh, yeah, that was me. It's like, yeah, bro, we know it was you. Bro,
1: we're in the bonus. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> we're replacing that with, with Danny Green, who is, like, just a sensational transition defender. Like, um, and obviously there's Kawhi as well. But, I mean, yeah, I think we're already ahead of the Sixers. Like, I think the Sixers roster is kind of overrated. They lost Bellinelli and Silva, who were actually pretty important to the ro- their um you know playoff run, which also speaks to how overrated that roster was. If you have those two guys be so important, um, they replaced him with Wilson Chandler, which is eh, not great. I guess like it's okay, but it's it's not much. Um, and who else did they bring in? Belita, who then like you know backed out. <laughs> he said he was going to Serbia, and then randomly went to the Kings for like three times the price. Which yep. is just a, a swindle move. I respect Nemanja Belitsa for doing that. That's
0: yeah. Seriously, I gained a lot of respect for him when that
1: happened. Yo, he's like, mm, I don't know. I'm going back to Europe, and <laughs> instantly got three times as much the money, man. That's that's. And Vladi was
0: like, my Serbian brother. Just come home. I'll, I'll take care of you.
1: I'm trying that negotiation tactic at work. <laughs> that's 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 what I got to do. But um, <laughs> yeah, the Sixers are not that much better, man. And then. It, like The Celtics, like, I think that's a bigger issue, and I think we'll be talking about sort of how the Raptors match up with the Sixers, but let's just focus on how the Raptors are going to play, right? Like, I think in previous seasons, the Raptors haven't had as much shooting as this one, right? If you look at this roster, there's eight players that have shot 36% or better from three last season alone. That doesn't even include Kawhi, who is a, like, career, like, 35, sorry, 30, like, seven 8% shooter. Um, so, really, they should have nine, like, capable shooters on the roster. And I think... Um, in previous years, they haven't really ran as much, like, off-ball action to get their shooting guards running around because their shooting guard was Demar, who wasn't a good shooter. But now that Demar has gone and they have these different shooters, I think you might see a lot more off-ball action um, for guys like Danny Green, for guys like CJ Miles, for guys like even like Kawhi, who's a pretty good spot-up shooter. Um, you could see a different version of the offense, and I think that's kind of what Nurse was hinting at when um, Kyle Lowry was going to have the ball a little bit more because, like, you know, there's a lot of guys that can move around and shoot shots now, and that's going to lead to a different style of offense that's going to be played for the Raptors.
0: Yeah, I think we're – again, I think it's it's one of those things where we can't really separate the reality of the situation from the emotions of what's just happened because, mm-hmm. like, the Raptors on paper are going to be a fucking problem to play against. Yeah. Like, without even talking about the defense, like, offensively, like, Kawhi is – extremely efficient like just look at his 2016-17 season even last year like the nine games he played his shot was still hadn't come around yet but despite that they were he was still extremely efficient like he had like a 57 or 58 true shooting percentage last year so like the Kawhi is an amazing offensive player and an amazingly efficient offensive player danny green is a sharpshooter who can he's like a real three and d player he's like he's like a trevor ariza type
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so you're getting two of these guys and you're replacing Demar, who you know look Demar was great but he didn't play defense at all nope and now you're relegating you know maybe og or maybe surge like somebody to a more you know bench role some like a role with with less pressure on them like this is good all around in my opinion
1: yeah no for sure for sure like if you look at this roster right I think uh, the starting lineup, there's going to be a couple spots that are a little bit up for grabs. Um, what I'm looking at is shooting guard. I think anyone of either DeLon or Danny Green could fight and reasonably win that position. It depends on sort of how the Raptors want to play. Um, but let's say Danny Green wins that, right? So then it's Lowry, a point guard. Danny Green is two-guard. Kawhi, obviously, is going to be a three-guard. The power four position is also be up for grabs because I feel like either Siakam or OG could take that role. depends on what they want to do. Or they can keep the Serge Ibaka – Jonas Valanciunas front court together. Hopefully they split that shit up because we just already seen that that thing does not work. And then at center you could choose between Jonas and Serge. And like based on that roster, there's a lot of pieces that you can work efficient. Like this is already a very good offense, and it like it it was a good offense even in the playoffs when Demar struggled. Right, Demar averaged like 16 points a game. Um, you know, in the, in the series, and the Raptors are still pretty efficient on offense in that series, and just overall in the, in the playoffs their offense was fine. I think defensively that's, you know, that's where the ceiling is highest because not only do you have Kawhi and Danny Green who are two like all defensive caliber players, Kawhi is obviously like two-time defensive player of the year, um, but you have a, a roster where there's seven players between 6'4", and 6'9". And then you also have Serge, who is a pretty good defender when he's, you know, uh, fully rested. Um, And also, you know, you have Kyle and Fred VanVleet, who are great defenders at, uh, at point guard, who are not included in this glut of wings the Raptors have. And suddenly they can play a style where they can switch everything. Everyone is interchangeable. They're young and athletic. This is still a very young roster. And when you look at the type of personnel here aside from defensive rebounding this team could be the best defensive team in the league and i don't really see why they you know they would fall short of that
0: yeah they should that's definitely like a goal that they should aspire to and I, I don't think there's any reason to think they won't be like you look at some of the small ball lineups that can trot out like if you just just theoretically speaking like imagine they roll out a lineup of lowry fred van vliet or danny green kawaii og and siakam like that's a totally conceivable lineup they could throw out there or throw ibaka at the five instead of siakam like that's a totally reasonable five that we could see at some point that's an incredible defensive five like just the length the mobility the the actual defensive instincts like you could throw lowry on the weakest offensive player and let him be the help defender that we've seen him be like every just all around the defensive quality that we have is just it's it's amazing like even the the two smallest guys on our team are two of our best help defenders which is you know really really fortunate
1: yeah yeah and when you look around the east like in terms of which which players specifically might cause issues because you know in the playoffs it really just comes down to which players are giving you issues and which players can solve issues and create issues and etc etc you have these like big wings that are a problem right like I'm not even worried about Washington. Like, we've, the Raptors already solved Washington last year. Like, even Pascal Siakam could guard John Wall. Like, it's not an issue. OG can guard John Wall. You could put Kawhi on John Wall. Like, it's not an issue. Bradley Beal, you could put Kyle Lowry on Bradley Beal, Fred Van Vliet. Like, that's kind of already solved, right? So then if you look at Milwaukee, obviously you got to have some solution on Giannis. Well, Kawhi is a good solution on Giannis. Um, and then also, you know, you could – yeah could Chris Middleton I guess but like man you could put Danny Green on Chris Middleton you could put OG on that and Chris Middleton you, we, the Raptors put like Demar on Chris Middleton and it wasn't even that big of an issue so the Bucks are, are not really scaring me at all Indiana Victor Oladipo is nice you know um but come on you put Kawhi on him that's a, that 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 team is solved right there um the Cavs are always falling out of the playoffs. the Pistons I don't <laughs> the Pistons are hilarious I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. um who else am I missing here oh yeah and then the Sixers and the Celtics and like the Sixers again you put Kawhi on Ben Simmons that shuts down most of their offense right and then is an issue for you but he primarily plays through the post and he's not that efficient as a number one option he turns the ball over a lot and shoots a lot of bad shots he shot under 50 percent last year and like 30 percent from three it's it's not like he's great he's kind of like early career DeMarcus Cousins in that way offensively defensively he's fantastic but you know even that scenario, you have JV who can body him in the post, or you can try for a bigger guy with with Serge. It's not the perfect solution, but you should be able to manage that and move forward. And then it's just Boston, right? And, like, man, Boston has all these wings, all these shooters, but the Raptors have all these, again, like I said, seven defenders between 6'4 and 6'9, and, you know, the Raptors can find a small ball lineup to go guard them. It's just whether they can score on Boston in the end, which is a bit more of an issue, but like that's what i'm saying this team should reasonably have a 50-50 ch- shot basically of winning the eastern conference on their defense and and also the one thing i don't think people are talking about with with Kawhi is that like it opens up lineup flexibility because he can carry your offense and carry bad defenders or he can carry sorry he can carry your defense by you know because he's so good he can also carry your offense because he allows um you know lesser defenders to go on there and he can just run the show by himself, right? And that's something that just wasn't able like successful with Damar because he couldn't really play with Delon because they can both of them couldn't shoot. He couldn't really play with JB because both of them don't defend well. He couldn't really play with CJ because both don't defend well. Like it, it's it was an issue. None of those are issues with Kawhi. He's good at everything.
0: Yeah, I think people I think another thing is that a lot of people say that Kawhi is Quite possibly the best perimeter defender of all time, outside of like maybe Scottie Pippen. Like he's that good at defense. Yeah. Okay. So you know, he's on our team now.
1: He's really on our team, man. We traded Costco Kobe for no frills uh, MJ. That's my hot take now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get found at Crown League, man.
1: Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Costco Kobe is actually generous. Well, I mean, fresh Kobe. Um, oh man. No, but Kawhi Leonard was made for no name brand, though.
0: You know, hopefully, hopefully he finds like all the accolades and star appeal he's looking for because that's what that's what drove him insane at San Antonio, apparently.
1: Yeah, um, and if you haven't seen a great piece by Jeff, Jeff McDonald for the um, San Antonio Express News, um, longtime beat writer there in San Antonio, and he wrote a long piece trying to explain what went wrong with Kawhi. Um, two parts kind of stood out to us. Um, in his piece, right? So, apparently, Kawhi kind of got jealous in 2016 in the, I mean, you know, in in Toronto, obviously, uh, at the All-Star Game when he saw that Russell Westbrook was using private luxury cars to get around, whereas the Spurs were giving him a bus provided to him by the NBA. And uh, he wanted star treatment, which, um, you know, if if you're San Antonio, why why would you not provide Kawhi with more than just a, a day pass for the TTC, like what are you doing? Like you're making this man ride. (laughs) You're making this man ride the 37 Islington to work. (laughs) Like he's one of us. Like, come on, man. Um, And also when he went to China in 2017 in August for a promotional tour for Jordan, um, he saw so many fans uh, mobbing him and wearing his Jersey. And honestly, this thing reads a little bit like how the Kevin Durant thing went, where it's just like a player doesn't quite realize how much more there is beyond his current situation. And then he starts, you know, getting wise to that and he wants out. And on, if I'm if I'm Masai, I look at the situation like Toronto can provide all these things. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think I think the one thing to remember is that it's like with San Antonio, like they're a great organization, but I can see why somebody like if somebody wants a little bit more um, th- their sense of individuality and independence, like they kind of want to branch out and do their own thing. Yeah, or I even can see credit. how an organization like that is suffocating, right? Or even just like
1: you know, if if a player wants more credit, right? Because right. when you go to San Antonio, it's like, well, it's just Popovich coaching of anybody, and it's like it's like the system. No, it's right? not. The system gets credit. Yeah, no, it's not, bro. They won forty-seven games last year without Kawhi. This is not some magic powder that happens. Popovich isn't the one scoring these baskets or defending LeBron. It's it's Kawhi out there, you know, and too too often like that gets overlooked. Right, it's kind of
0: like the Kyrie thing, really. Like where Kyrie is like, I want credit for this, for my contributions to the to the Cavs, and I'm not getting it. And LeBron's presence is suffocating. It's kind of like that, where like this entire aura of the Spurs, like this beautiful basketball, this Spurs machine, gets mm-hmm. so much credit that it takes away from Kawhi's brilliance. And he, you know, he kind of wants his own thing, and I can I can understand it. And like you know, I can, it, I can see both sides of it. I can see why some. Some people want to paint him as a villain, but I can see his perspective as well, where it's like, dude, I'm fucking amazing. I'm a top five. I'm a top three player in this league. Yeah. And I don't get seen on the same level as as Kevin Durant, as Steph Curry, as
1: LeBron James. Like, I'm not seen that way. Like, like I want my own thing. Right. He's not even seen on the level of like a secondary star. Right. Like, and, and case in point, when he his shoe deal came up with Jordan and they're they offered him an extension. It was like four years, 20 million dollars right to put that number into perspective lonzo ball before he even got into the nba was offered 20 million over 5 years so this man was getting literally offered like slightly less or slightly more than a rookie that hadn't even stepped on the floor yet and and why obviously because he got you know lonzo got more hype and whatever but like if you're looking at that of course you want to try to get into a new situation where you can get recognized because you know you're only in this one time, right? And so, you know, you want to maximize your career window. Um, and, you know, it's a question of whether Toronto can do that. Obviously, we don't have the same endorsement capabilities. Um, even, like, even Damar, playing here for nine years, didn't get a signature shoe or anything like that. You know, became one of Nike's most prominent guys. And I would say his profile was probably out there even more than Kawhi's was. But, um, you know, even he wasn't on that level. But, I mean, like, Kawhi's a better player than Damar, right? If Kawhi wins MVP which he can right like he's going to be the number one star on a team where everyone else is currently better than him no one's going to be like well I mean I can't decide between Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard I mean who knows I mean am I split the vote no it's going to be going to Kawhi and if they win 60 games and if they go to the finals which is again these are all suddenly within the realm of possibility he could win MVP and then all of a sudden it's a great situation right and um then all the other stuff factors in, like, while the city's beautiful, you're, when you're making it decision to sign, you're signing in the summertime in Toronto. The summertime in Toronto is as beautiful as it gets, minus the humidity. Um, and, like, you know, it's not a bad argument. It's not, it's not a bad argument, right? And, and if you're going to try to keep Kawhi on that basis, the Raptors at least have some potential right and it's like the Paul George thing you have 12 months with him instead of just one meeting where Magic Johnson comes in and shows you his big teeth and you know says hey man you could come here and play with LeBron who is going to dominate the ball and turn you into a spot-up shooter um you know it's 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 not not that bad uh if you're yeah if you're the I think there's I at think least there's like a 25 percent chance I would say
0: yeah I think the one thing is like look we don't before this before they traded for Kawhi, there was a zero percent chance to get Kawhi. right no. now there's what at least like a 10 percent chance he sticks
1: around i'd say 25 right? man if everything works out great like i think it's a 50 50 thing like, yeah i mean you know yeah. it's not bad to live in toronto it really isn't it, it's it feels beneath people from toronto to say that but like harsh you I mean you're you're from mississauga <laughs> what do you think about toronto
0: no i i look obviously i'm biased i love toronto but like mm-hmm. even even speaking like people try to dismiss toronto as a possibility and i get i get why that that sentiment is out there but we don't even really know what Kawhi wants right all we knew is that Kawhi wants to go to la and then when lebron went to la shams started putting out rumors or you know started reporting that he no longer wants the, the lakers he'd prefer the clippers <laughs> so is it is it la that he wants does he want his own team does he want the adulation and the star appeal that comes with being in a big market because toronto is a pretty decent option if that's the case right because a whole you country
1: look, of fans behind you
0: you get you get the star I appeal know. you get this adulation he's with the, he's gonna be the number one like in terms of face of the franchise type because you know dwayne casey's not around DeRozan's rosen's not around only really Masai and larry around right yeah um then you consider the, the the basketball situation. If they win, like, 60 games and go to the Eastern Conference Finals and go to seven games or potentially go to the NBA Finals, he's not going to find a better basketball situation that, than that. You know, you're telling me that he wants to go to the Clippers and win, like, 38 games with, like, Jerome Robinson and shit? Like, come on. Like, that's not a better basketball situation at all. This might be the best basketball situation for him.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what the Raptors are banking on. I think that's number one pitch to him is to have all that success. But – there's also a report out there that you know Kawhi was already talking to people um, this summer about you know maybe the idea of teaming up with another star. Well, if you're the Raptors, um, you don't have cap room to sign another star next season. I mean, currently the Raptors have 135 million dollars on the books, and that's not even factoring uh, a new contract for Kawhi. But you have contracts in Serge and Jonas. And even Lowry, who are all expiring of varying sizes, right? 33 for Lowry, 23 for Ibaka, which is just disgusting. Um, <laughs> and 17 for Jonas in 2019, where you can move those expiring contracts and get another player back while keeping most of your young core intact, right? You still got Norm under contract. You still got Fred under contract. You got CJ. Or CJ doesn't really count. DeLon, OG, Pascal. like All these guys are still under contract at cheap numbers, right? So you can move one of those um, bigger names in a sign-and-trade to get another player, right? There's there's flexibility all of a sudden with those large contracts because they're expiring. And, you know, a lot of teams with cap room could probably take that on. And, uh, yeah, if the Raptors, you know, they can they can get another star, especially if Kawhi decides to stay because that's another thing when you have super superstars on that level, right? I'm not talking DeMar. Demar's not bringing anyone here. DeMar never brought anyone here, right? But when you have a super superstar of that level like Kawhi and you make it a good situation and it looks great they go to the finals, whatever, all of a sudden people want to come. All of a sudden people want to come to your franchise. And, and we're not just talking about Serge Ibaka and, and, and you know, Damari Carroll. We're talking about bigger names. And, you know, hopefully that works out, right? Because you look, you know, down the line a couple of years, you know, <clears throat> Giannis is a free agent. Uh, you know? Anthony you know? Yeah. Anthony, i mean, i don't know about anthony davis nah but nah, Giannis give, just give, Giannis. give me yannis give yeah. me yannis and Kawhi, bro please please Masai, Masai. God and damn, look man Masai. and
0: while you and, and speaking of Masai, like don't don't forget like Masai can sell the shit out of out of this thing right like oh, i was man. listening to the low post and kevin arnovitz was was like oh Masai's a good gm but danny Ainge can really sell i'm like bro Bro, don't, don't, bring, don't put Masai in the same level as Danny when it comes to, like, salesman tactics. Like, Masai can sell the fuck out of shit. Like, when you hear him, you hear him talk about Toronto, like, yeah. isn't it just the most inspiring thing ever? I'm like, man, I yeah. want to believe in something as much as he believes in this. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, listen. We're talking about a man that talked the Orlando Magic into giving up a draft pick <laughs> to take on Jeff Waltman, who was getting a promotion <laughs> and more money. All right. <laughs> My son was like, you can't have Jeff Ballman. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to sign him anyway, but you got to give us a second-round pick. <laughs> oh, so, Andrea Bargnani. We got a ninth overall pick for Andrea Barniani. We got Baby Nagara and Lou Williams, who won six-man, for the expiring contract of John Salmons. We got
0: uh, Norman Powell and who was it? Oh, Norman Powell? No, it wasn't
1: OG, was it, it? was. It was. That was the pick for OG.
0: Because it was it was the it was the clip it was
1: yeah it was the Clippers pick that got traded to Milwaukee and then then they traded that pick the Clippers pick to Toronto and then we traded the lesser of the two in the Orlando deal for surge and which meant we kept the Clippers pick and the Clippers pick was OG. Well,
0: then there you go. Masai is a great salesman. That's all you need to know. Masai can sell this thing, man. I believe in Masai.
1: And it's again, it's not that hard of a sell, man. Like. If you're if you're if you're Kawhi Leonard in his camp, right? They wanted to get out of San Antonio and they were trying to get to Los Angeles. That's fair, right? Not that's not fair necessarily, but okay, that's their prerogative. Once they didn't get to Los Angeles, you can't pull that same thing in Toronto. Toronto doesn't have the same incentive to do that shit, right? You kind of yeah. you have a one-time chance to kind of push your way out the door and go to the place you want you you want to go to. If you don't get there, you're in a new situation. Toronto doesn't have the same incentives as you know, San Antonio, all that baggage and everything like that to just get rid of Kawhi because he was getting you know more toxic. Toronto's like, yo, we could just hold on to this. We can hold on to him and like, yeah. You know, if you don't want to play all season, you'll you'll lose your con you'll lose money. Like you'll it's basically sitting on is not an option. So you know, he's gotta kinda of make it work. And uh you know, it's not a bad place to make it work in. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about was just do you have any concerns in terms of with this current roster as it is going into next season in terms of um, the two areas of weakness I'm mostly looking at in terms of what this team is short on? And, again, this team is already very stacked. But I'm I'm, I'm curious as to, like, who is going to fill that leadership void um, with Casey and DeMar gone, and also um, – Who is going to be the secondary scorer in a tight playoff game where they're, you know, really denying Leonard and uh, someone else has to kind of generate offense?
0: Yeah, I I think the first point is uh, is a tough one because, I mean, I don't know, like maybe there's some internal development in terms of leadership, like maybe Fred Van Vliet is like a bigger voice in the locker room or. I, I, it's hard to say, right? Maybe Danny Green is is like a vet that won a championship and has a lot of weight in the locker room. I don't I don't really know, but I, I could see I could see like them getting more of a vet big man for the fifteenth man instead of just bringing back Bebe or something like that. Maybe like a David West type or someone like that. I don't know. It's just someone I'm tossing out there. Um, as far as the secondary scoring thing, I feel like that isn't that pretty much the same as what they had before. Like it, it, like yeah. even even if. Kawhi has like 85 to 90 percent of DeMar's usage like that's still the same problem that they've always had and I think the, that really gets solved is you know maybe maybe De- DeLon or, or Fred VanVleet are more creative now that they've been in the league for like three four years or whatever like unless maybe their games change a little bit maybe they become more of like a microwave scorer types but yeah that's definitely a bit of a concern I agree with you yeah
1: um...
0: Jonas maybe I don't know
1: Maybe, maybe JV takes up some of that leadership void. You know, a team led by JV throwing uh, <laughs> weighted balls in the in a sand park in in Lithuania. While a I'm not gonna of lie, I'm surprised by how much I I like JV's like personality now. How, there's nothing to not like about JV's personality. He's very hilarious. Like, yeah, just, just he's a just a big goofball, man. It's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, um, let's take a quick break right here, and then we'll come back and take one of the many, many Twitter questions that have been asked. So, we'll answer those after the break. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Accidents happen, and when they do, you'll want a lawyer who will stand up to the insurance company and fight for your rights. In case of emergency, have this name in your back pocket. Goldfinger. Brian Goldfinger. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Today. Welcome back to the second half of the pod. Still here with Harsh. Um, the two of us will be forming the uh you know the defensive back line for the score fc tonight at uh an undisclosed location um at an undisclosed time um <laughs> harsh bro please one of us has to score tonight man we're playing a really shitty team
0: yo what if they listen to the pod and find some inspiration in our shit talk
1: bro we won like 10 nothing last week we, we did and i didn't score so i didn't play outside. i didn't play so i didn't score but come on bro Ten, ten, 10 goals, and you, you didn't get in one of them. Did Someone you, has to do the dirty work, man. Did you? What dirty work was there in a the ten? nothing did you at least get an assist? I think so, but I, it, <laughs> dude, ten goals is a lot of goals. It's a lot. It's
0: a lot. Yeah,
1: it's a Liverpool and Champions League level of goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's take some Twitter questions again. At Raptors Republic, there's too many questions here. I'm probably just gonna go back and answer them on Twitter. Um, but uh, Let's talk a couple here. All right, first one from Nicholas Henry. What's the Raptors' death lineup?
0: Oof, I don't think they have a set one, man. Like, they can do a lot of different things. Like, I've seen people talk about using Jonas to close, but they could also go small to close. And it depends on how small they go to close, really. Like, I know that we know that the Raptors like to run Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. So it's like, who do you use at three, four, five? Obviously, Kawhi's the 3. And then 4, you assume they'd use... Um, you know OG or maybe you go Kawhi at the 4 and Danny Green at the 3 and then 5 you run Siakam or Ibaka like i, I could see some variation of that or you could go big with JV like that's probably the most likely scenario i think they're going to keep
1: two ball handlers though yeah for sure although i mean it's a different coach and everything right like that's the kind of thing that we, we didn't really talk that much about Nick Nurse and all this but it's a big year for Nick Nurse man it's it's it's, yeah. it's a great job but also a very tough job uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your closing lineup? Uh, I mean, it's pretty similar to yours, man. I think it is situational as well. I think if you need more offense, I think you put JV at center. Um, if you, honestly, if you need more defense, it's also not entirely guaranteed that JV is benched for Surge. But I think maybe for rebounding, if you're in a small lineup, you might want to go with JB because he's obviously worlds better than Surge on rebounding. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, there's a lot of options you can go with, right? And, and I think you can even play small a little bit more now because, again, you're able to put out guys like Danny Green and Kawhi at the 3-4 position, which all of a sudden it kind of masks for the fact that you're kind of small because those guys can guard anybody, right? Like, so I don't know, man. I think it's going to be obviously Kyle's going to close and, you know, Kawhi's going to close. Beyond that, who knows? It'll be... We'll we'll see more in in season, I think. And I I think it'll depend a lot on the matchup. Uh, Next one from Timo. What happened to the Spurs, man? Could they... uh, How could they mismanage Kawhi, their supposed franchise player, to such an extent? When will we find out what really happened between player and management?
0: So I think that, that Jeff McDonald piece kind of touched on a lot of different things. Like, you know, there was... Kawhi changed his management team and or his agency in 2016. He started, you know, realizing how big of a star he could be. Then there's the whole um, injury mismanagement and the trust issues that came around that. I think there were a lot of different things that started happening, right? Like, I don't think it was one independent thing. And I think the the one thing that I keep coming back to is a lot of what made the Spurs the Spurs for the past 20 years is how – kind of selfless and how little Tim Duncan cared about some of these things because mm-hmm. it's like Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors like none of this stuff really works without Steph Curry being you know totally okay with handing over some of the limelight to to guys like Durant or Clay Thompson or, or Draymond Green like Steph Curry is still probably the most important player on their team and it's like Tim Duncan was that for the Spurs and it's it's unrealistic to expect to find another star who's exactly the same mentality as him right and Kawhi is is his own guy he has his own sort of mandate he has his own sort of thought process on these things and he has he has a different perception of his value and his his star appeal than what the Spurs expected so you know when those things don't jive together people expect that the spurs are just this organization that everybody magically has some sort of loyalty to and 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 adulation for but that's really not the case right
1: yeah um i also think that honestly Kawhi kind of like sat back and watched a lot of these spurs games this year and he was like bro who am i out there playing with right like <laughs> look at this team it, it I mean, yo, look, San Antonio, like, it's great situation, like, great organization, everything like that, but the reality situation is he's carrying Tony Parker's carcass to every game. He's carrying Mana Ginobili, which is really sad to me because I really like Ginobili, but he's very old at this point. Pau Gasol is literally a statue, right? Even LaMarcus, he wasn't even happy playing with Kawhi. He was upset that he wasn't the number one guy. So all of a sudden, this guy becomes the number one guy and goes back to basically tossing the mid-range shots. 44% of his shots were mid-range. That that, that shit's so crazy to me. Davis Bertant, Bryn Forbes. Like, yo, at some point, you're just like, listen, I, I, man, ah, man, I just got to go. <laughs> I, 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 I just got to go. I don't want to do this, man. I don't need to do this. Um, and I think that factored in, especially since, you know, during some te- uh, you know, um, team meetings and stuff, they were pressuring Kawhi to come back and be healthy. And, of course, why wouldn't they pressure your best player? Like, we need you to carry all of us. And Kawhi's like – why why, why, do I, why do I have to carry you guys? I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk my career and have you guys question my injury just so I can come back and carry you guys and lose in the playoffs. Like, I'm not doing that. So, I don't know. I think a couple factors went in. It's not just one decisive uh, event that kind of changed everything. Again, this is uh, going back to the sports. It's not a sitcom thing. There was no uh, Ross, you know, is on a break with Rachel kind of situation here. There isn't that split. There just isn't. It's a situational thing, and a couple things building towards one. Um, Next one from Idan. How do you manage moving Ibaka to the bench? Yeah, that's a tough one.
0: It's a really tough one. Is it? I
1: I mean. Yo, this is not like Melo, all right? It's not like telling Melo to go to the bench yeah that's true that's actually true
0: i mean uh, yeah ibaka would be ridiculous to think
1: that he
0: had right like maybe it's that simple you're like bro you weren't as good as we needed you to be last year so you know you got to take the seat on the bench now
1: it's like yo did you just see us fire the coach of the year and trade Demar? you're going to the bench and you're not, <laughs> that's it yeah exactly <laughs> you're still here but
0: you gotta st- st- get in line with everybody else right
1: yeah um yeah, and I think that's the decision you gotta make before the season. And just tell him like straight out, like, hey, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be on the bench. And Ibaka's gonna be like, But 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 I, I you know, Mafuzi," and he's gonna be like, No. No no Mafuzi, no no Avec class, you're gonna be Avec bench. Um you can you can eat your cow cow's tongue. Yo, did you see that, that cooking with Serge Ibaka show by the way? I did not, but I've been meaning to check it out. I'm dying, yo. Let me just send you a screenshot from uh I so,
0: saw the pictures you're posting with him, and what what was he holding?
1: Uh, that was a cow tongue. That, oh, that oh, was Jesus. a giant cow tongue. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you never let Serge around your girl ever. Um, it's actually yeah, it's actually yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty cute. But he kept saying the cow tongue was filet mignon, which come on, bro, it's 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 not, bro. I'm Chinese, so I'm 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 willing to eat like weird parts of the body, but you don't have to lie about it. That's all. <laughs> Just don't lie to me and tell me this cow tongue is filet <laughs> mignon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, oh, man, a lot of lineup questions. All right, how about this one from Darren? All right, this is probably you're, you're probably not the right person to ask about this, but top five Demar moments.
0: Oh, um, the fifty-two against Milwaukee. Yep,
1: franchise record, overtime, on Chris uh, Middleton's head.
0: Yep. Um, the the. Playoff game six against Milwaukee.
1: Yo, mm. got that ball out of the corner, driving around Thon Maker and uh, dunking on Giannis. Yeah,
0: that the uh, the Pistons game.
1: Yep, twice driving the length of the court, dunking to uh, <laughs> ending Anthony Tolliver's life, A- and then also finding Fred in overtime.
0: I feel like I want to say the the MSG Knicks game, the one that he okay. hit the. The crazy mid-range shot to win the game.
1: Yep. Swag walk. Hit the shot yeah, over exactly. Derrick Rose.
0: Fuck Derrick Rose. Uh, yeah, fuck Derrick Rose. What's number five? I don't know. I'll, I'll give you number five. Mm. Which one? Which is the wildest dunk
1: he's had? The Mozgov dunk? Man, yeah. You could easily just do top five DeMar dunks. But, like, I would say when he was in a dunk contest and he pulled out that East Bay funk, whatever he called it. Where, like threw it up in the air and then like let it bounce and then you jumped it, caught it in midair, um, kind of like cradled the ball against his momentum and then did like a reverse like one eighty yeah, dunking. An awesome that, dunk. that, that thing is disgusting, man. Demar was so good in those dunk contests and he got he got robbed by two con artists in uh, Blake Griffin who jumped over the hood of a car and Nate dunk or, and uh, what's his name Nate Robinson who was just short. Yeah, like that's that's not a good reason. Also, Serge Ibaka was in that dunk contest. That was weird.
0: Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. And he did the
1: stupid, like, stuffed toy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yo, know, he brought out a little child and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I left my my toys up there. And Serge's like, no problem, I got you. And then, like, jumped up and, like, bit the toy off the rim as he dunked. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did a free throw line dunk, which was all right. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's, honestly, there's so many Top Demar moments, man. I mean, like, you could type, do Top Damar and Kyle Lowry romance moments. Um, I don't know. I mean, even in the younger years, I think Damar had a lot of great moments, like him and Sonny Weems and um, Amir Johnson doing all those little videos that they used to do together, Young Guns, you know, you know since 2010. Respect to the... Respect to the 2010 Raptors fans who had to watch that shit and not just uh, the Wheaton North fans that, that got, came in when, you know, the Raptors were making the playoffs every year. Um, you know, a lot of great – I mean, like, there was, like, a game. I think he had, like, 40 against Houston one time. I think the game, like, Trevor Riesler tried to, like, punk him, and he, he, like, got him kicked out of the game. I, there's just so many great DeMar moments, man. There were, I mean, even 37 points against the Cavaliers, right? I mean, like, that was probably – I mean, not probably. That was definitely his best playoff game ever, but um, – just such a just, a just a great performance, really, and to give the Raptors a win, too. I mean, there was some circumstances that went into that. Uh, apparently, Kyrie was hung over his shit, and, um, you know, he was terrible. I think he shot, like, three of 19, and the Raptors won easily. But DeMar was huge in that game. Uh, even, yeah, I mean, even though that, like, remember when he had zero point, eight points and it was just free throw, you know? A timeless quote from Giannis, accidentally roasting someone with broken English. Um but then the <laughs> game right after, like, DeMar bounces back, and I think he had 37 in that one, too. Like, so, I I don't know, man. DeMar is just all those things. And also just off the court, man. Um, you know, him coming out and giving a voice, um, you know, to other people that suffered from um, mental illnesses and um, depression and, you know, just the way he carried himself within the community. Like, every single player that came through Toronto loved – DeMar, like, you saw the outpouring of support for DeMar, right? Um, you know, everybody loves this dude. And, you know, the way he repped the organization and everything, it's, it's fantastic. By the way, though, that game, uh, the bounce back game against Milwaukee at 33. But 33-9-5-4, um, a positively uh, Kawhi-type effort from from DeMar. And that was after the Raptors were down 2-1 in the playoff series. So, you know, he did have some moments, too. It was just overall, it just wasn't enough, that's all. Oh, the Chicago game, bro. Oh, my God. The Chicago overtime game. The one where we finally snapped that streak, and it was overtime against – What game is this? uh, Last season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the game Serge fought uh, Robin Lopez.
0: Yeah, that's the game.
1: Yeah. 42. Um, And then the next day he had 40 against Miami, and another win. I think Lewenberg had a a piece –
0: or he had, like, a screenshot where he posted, like – the yeah. five best analogies that Demar Derozan used, like in his interviews, because he was like, like low key really funny at at coming up with hilarious analogies, like kind of like Dwayne Casey,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like he did the Michael Phelps thing,
1: right? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, look, we're gonna have a specific podcast devoted to just remembering Demar Derozan. I think it's just right now we're a little bit focused on. You know, the immediate impact of the Raptors getting Kawhi back. But trust me, there will be many, many podcasts remembering what DeMar did for this franchise. Um, let's take one more before we finish up. Um, all right, this one from Fan 1237 shout out. Um, will anyone ever score a basket against the Raptors ever again? Is 65 to 70 wins uh, too optimistic? Okay, 70 is Where too optimistic, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Relax, we're not winning seventy games.
0: I I really think they can win sixty-ish games, but like we got to see what he looks like because yeah. he hasn't been healthy in like a year. So, um, the th- the other thing is like, like he could clearly play, right? It's just about playing with discomfort. Yeah. So it's like there's there's reason to be optimistic that he's fine, but we still got to see it. So I, I would still say they're going to be around like fifty-five to sixty wins. Mm. What about
1: you? Yeah, I think 6-6-5 six six is reasonable. I think they could probably – I mean, look, um, the Raptors lost DeMar and Pirtle, and they got back two better players in Danny Green and Kawhi. And this is a younger team that's getting a little bit better on the margins. we already seen Pascal take a leap. We're going to see OG take a leap. Pascal might take more leaps based on sort of what he's been doing this summer. DeLon might take more leaps. Uh, Fred, he's going to get better, and, you know, I don't see why this team can't win 60 games. I mean, they won 59 games last year, and they got a better player, so why can't they win 60? And in terms of— Oh,
0: damn. Raleigh Alkins, two-way contract with the Bulls. What?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I guess they just ultimately chose to uh, sign—what's his name instead? Boucher. Boucher, yeah. Congrats to Boucher, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, Raleigh had great moments in Summer League, but he wasn't all the way incredible by any
0: means. Yeah, he wasn't like Norman Powell two years ago. Yeah.
1: And then Norman Powell nowadays is uh, someone we would love to have in a two-way contract instead of 10 yeah. So, <laughs> all right, man. Harsh. See you on the pitch, bro. Yeah, see you, man. I'm dressed in head-to-toe Adidas right now. Nice. and disgusting. People... I'll go full Nike. Yeah? No, you got to say Nike, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm just walking in my night. All right, <laughs> All right peace out, man. All right, peace. And yeah, we'll, we'll the podcast will be back next week. Peace.